son. Where'd you find this? You are now listening to Podcast 42, the world's most popular, inaccurate, and sometimes squirrel-dry telling of pop culture history. Too large. It's a megalodon. Yeah, megalodons aren't that big. A megalodon is only about the size of a school bus. We looked it up. I only? We saw the trailer. Like Megalodons are not that big like their jaw size or not they don't reflect that size only the size they of a school made bus. it way yeah. they grossly oversized it for the movie grossly grossly have grossly. you measured it they made it like blue whale size mm, i think it's more whale shark size yeah because <laughs> m- movies often only hold to 100 percent realism you never see a movie go off into fantastic realms never the fantasy but it's unrealism scene uh, liberty of create create creativity there. Especially mm-hmm. with the science behind it. Science! She blinded me with science. Do, 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 do. On that note. Ooh, oh, science really? is a great show. Yes, it's time for I podcast 42. For <laughs> yes, you are. You're here. I pressed the button when you walked in the door. Oh, lovely. I'm Christopher DeVos. I'm Nicole Fasone. I'm JL Trost. I'm Frozzy. Oh, boy. I wonder wow. what we're talking about this week. It's Dueling Batman. Dueling Batman. But before we get into Dueling Batmans, let's, an op- let's uh, open up the beer cooler. JL Beer Cooler. It's cooler than you think. JL Beer Cooler. All right, well, this one's kind of scary. Well, you know, I saw it, and it was said limited release, and it was the last six-pack there. Mm. So Terrapin from Athens, Georgia, their nice beer company, released a Watermelon Goes. And I'm not big on watermelon, but it sounded interesting. Hey, JL, I don't know what a ghost is. I don't know what a ghost is either. um, It's like a Hefeweizen in a way. Says what ghosts around comes around. <laughs> I thought it said watermelon ghost. It's a traditional German style beer brewed with sea salt and coriander. We could have read the label, Chris. <laughs> Goza. That's what it says right there for pronunciation. So Goza. it's the Gozer beer. I give the label a three. Middle of the road, not too bad. I like the colors. Watermelon colors. It tastes like a watermelon juice beer. Holy God. Yeah, that's why I said everybody get your chaser just in case. Good call. All right, we'll save. This could be a bad one. There's our explicit rating right Save Save that for the end. I know, so quickly. You know, ever since he's joined back, I think we've had two shows that I haven't had to label. I told you, you just have to pick a fun sound effect. I know, but that's a lot of work. For this one, you can like a... um, Did you hear ready? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said. You're not listening. I tend not to when he talks. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about this week, Faraz? It's your topic. We are talking about the 10th anniversary of The Dark Knight and the legacy it's left on the film industry and the superhero genre. I love King Arthur. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I don't know where to go with that, so I'm just going to stare at you. I thought we were talking about The Black Knight. I said The Dark Knight. Oh. 
Okay. What's the Dark Knight? I saw Black Knight. Oh, Isn't yeah? that with Martin Lawrence? <laughs> yes, we were talking is. about Chris yes, Nolan's acclaimed Batman movie. Oh, Batman. Oh, the Dark Knight. Oh, okay. That may be why you asked me to wear a Batman shirt tonight. So this That's not your shirt, is no, it? No, it's not my shirt. <laughs> this episode is like kid shirts. I <laughs> didn't borrowed even... my shirt. The I shirt that believe... I bought for him. I didn't even notice you had Batman on your chest. Yeah. It's very oh, subtle. It is. It's very Ben Affleckish. Yeah. <laughs> ben Affleck, the best Batman, right? Uh, oh, yes, without a doubt. That's what Followed we're talking closely about. Closely by Adam West, Christian Bale, and Val Kilmer. George Clooney. <laughs> you forgot about Michael Keaton. Oh, I thought he was just a Spider Man villain. Oh. <laughs> he was a good Spider Man villain. He was, a he was the best part of that whole atrocious movie. <gasps> I like that movie. Well, get out your pens and papers because it's time for a pop quiz. It's so nice that you say pen every week now. Get out, why did I say pencil forever? For a long time. Get out your number two pencil. <laughs> Dixon Ticonderoga. This pop quiz is called The Dark Knight Rises Whenever Batman Sees Catwoman. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Not in issue number 50. Or Christian Bale is also a term for skipping church. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Chris, you're my hero. <laughs> Five general knowledge facts on the Dark Knight in order of the easiest to the hardest to test your knowledge. Score one point for each correct answer. Question number one. What major reoccurring character dies in the movie? Which movie? Yeah, which movie? What the hell are you talking about? The movie we're talking about. The Dark Knight. Yes. Okay. What did you forget the topic? <laughs> what do you well, mean what movie? We were talking about Wait a minute. The... What do you mean reoccurring? This character appeared more than once in the you movies, see her right? More than once in that one movie. No, was she only kidding. in this one movie? No, 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 no. She, she wasn't. Yeah. Well, there's a hint. There's a hint. This character is in the entire trilogy. Okay. Well, she dies in some form or another. Oh. Question two. We Qu can't give him this much time. We have to move on. Question two. Well, now no, I'm worried that I, I wrote the I wrote that. the quiz wrong. <laughs> Question number two. How does Harvey Dent appear to die? Harvey Dent dies. How does he appear to die? Question number three. Coleman Reese goes on TV and offers to reveal the to reveal the identity of Batman to stop the Joker's killing spree. The Joker decides that he doesn't want to find out Batman's identity after all. What does he threaten to blow up if Reese is not killed? I'm so glad we watched this this morning. Now I remember all of this. Oh, okay. So Like it was this morning. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I watched it every other day. He does. Yeah, this he episode does. is like every episode since you've come back. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about Batman. This is a very Some specific. Of us we didn't get to watch a two and a half hour long movie today. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. Who says you think that your client, one of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the world, is secretly a vigilante who beats criminals to a pulp with his bare hands? And your plan is to blackmail this person? Good luck. Wow, this is quick. You guys are writing this stuff down quick. Question number five. At the beginning of the movie, <clears throat> we find a bunch of criminals in clown masks led by the Joker robbing a bank. Who owns the bank? It's not PNC. No. It's not Wells Fargo. Who owns the bank? JL's still writing. Well, yeah. I haven't watched this movie in like five years. <laughs> Dark Knight Rises is far superior. <sighs> Uh-oh, you're giving Faraz a hard tack. Bane was a better villain. <clears throat> Which is the one with Mr. Freeze in it? 
Batman and Robin. <laughs> that's that's the best of them no, all. That was Batman Sub Zero <laughs> was the better Mr. Freeze movie. Eh, I don't count it. It's animated. Ugh. All right. What major reoccurring character dies in the movie? Froz? Rachel Dawes. Nicole. Rachel. Maggie Gyllenhaal's ugly ass. <laughs> was she mate? Was she Rachel? Yeah. But technically, there's two she people was, played Rachel. Yes. Yes. Katie Holmes played her in the first one. Maggie Gyllenhaal played her in this one. Yes. Yeah. Points for everybody. She died. If it was still Katie Holmes, points she probably would have everybody. Lived. Everybody gets points. <laughs> how does how does Harvey Dent appear to die? Uh, jail. He falls to his death. Nicole. Hospital explosion. For us. He was pushed by Batman off the ledge and died during the fall. Yes. The fall. Everybody gets a point, but Nicole. Yeah. You just watched the movie. I know, but we didn't get to that part. No, you didn't get you. So you didn't I, watch the whole movie. No. Okay. Uh, I watched the whole movie. What? Yeah, I know you did. You memorized the movie. What does Joker threaten to blow up if, to kill Coleman Reese? Nicole. A hospital. Jail. I have a hospital. For us. A random hospital. A hospital is acceptable. You don't have to put random in there. That's what caused the panic. And okay, true, true enough, true <laughs> enough. Who says, you think that your client, one of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the world, is secretly a vigilante who beats criminals to a pulp with his bare hands, and your plan is to blackmail this person? Good luck, Froz. Lucius Fox, played by Morgan Morgan Freeman. Freeman. Nicole? Morgan Freeman. Yes. (laughs) Lucius (laughs) Fox. And then at the beginning of the movie, we find a bunch of criminals in clown masks led by the Joker robbing a bank. Who owns the bank, JL? Uh, I have Sal Marone. Who's that? Uh, One of the mob bosses. Nicole? Chase. <laughs> For us. I just have the mob in general. The mob. The mob is correct. I figured Chase was an appropriate name. You know, Sal like... Marone was the one played by Eric Roberts. Yeah. Who oh, in yeah. the comics is the one who burns Harvey Dent to become Two-Face. You know, Eric Roberts is underrated. He is. Almost as underrated as Clint Howard. <laughs> or Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> I don't find Aaron Eckhart underrated. I think he only did well in one movie, and we're talking about it. Or James Gunn's brother, who wouldn't have a career without James Gunn. That's not true. He's Rocket Raccoon. (laughs) Who else would do the stop motion for him? He's Rocket Raccoon? Yeah, he does the stop motion for Rocket Raccoon. Oh, okay. So he's got dual roles. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Just favorite topic. Just a warning. Two warnings. Uh, If you haven't seen this movie in the last 10 10 years, years, it's about to be spoiled for you. And this script was written solely by fanboy Faraz. <coughs> a lot of <coughs> innuendos. Well, a lot oh, of we'll a lot of opinion. A lot of exclamation points. There are always <laughs> a lot of exclamation points. <laughs> Take it away, Faraz. Let the metaphor begin. You thought we could be decent men in an indecent time, bellows Aaron Eckhart. As the devastated Gotham City District Attorney Harvey Dent. That didn't sound bellowing or devastated. Well, he continues, (laughs) while brandishing a gun at Police Commissioner James Gordon's young son, you were wrong. The world is cruel. And the only morality in a cruel world is chance. Unbiased, unprejudiced, fair. This, the year 2018, marks the 10th anniversary of Chris Nolan's celebrated the Dark Knight. I rises. I changed <clears throat> that to Christopher Nolan because that's his name. Fine. But My voice read, is like 
going away. You read Chris. Oh, I thought you were doing a Batman you know, impersonation. You know, we keep this up. For obviously, <clears throat> you're going to die a hero or see himself live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're like every other podcast on the internet. We got a dog barking in the background. Yes. Oh, man. Calm it down there, <laughs> scarecrow. <laughs> Universally acclaimed as one of the best, if not indeed the very best, Asterisk. of the now booming superhero film genre, the Dark Knight and its impact on the industry remain significant a date, a decade, <laughs> <laughs> a decade after its 2008 debut. Which was an actual date, so you yes, were right. You correct. were right either yeah, way. You didn't give a date. No, I did not. <laughs> we took out all the dates. All the dates. Because he hates dates. I hate them so much. I would like to point out that when Chris reads the script I wrote, I put in every date possible. Awesome. No, Faraz loves dates. I love dates. (laughs) Esteemed film critic Roger Ebert once described the movie as a haunted film that leaps beyond its origins and becomes an origins. I'm going to say it the way that I say it. Its origins (laughs) is the correct way to say it. Beyond its origins and becomes an (laughs) engrossing tragedy. Is that better? Yeah, I guess. If you were three. (laughs) The Dark Knight not only drew the regular crowd of comic book fans, but managed to appeal to the wider mass public, psychologists, and award committees alike. The trilogy as a... Now, wait a minute. You grouped public and psychologists together and award people. Yes. Award people are separate from the rest of us, Chris. Okay. It's just a weird grouping. The trilogy as a whole demonstrated to the public and to Hollywood that, as Ebert noted, a comic book film could balance the fantastical elements of its colorful roots while also conveying meaningful themes and significant reflections of the human condition and our collective society. But isn't that what Batman was in the comics for a long time anyway? I mean, this doesn't seem leaps and bounds. Now, if it was a Thing movie... (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) If it was a movie about the Thing and it was... had all this background and and I watched a movie about the thing once. Meaningful stuff. Was amazing. No, not that thing. I think the orange thing. It, it wasn't probably oh, a unique yeah. concept for the Batman comics, but it, or the even the Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. But it was a unique, um, I guess, landscape for the superhero film genre at that time. I guess up until then you had what Blade, the Crow, Spider Man, Dark Man. Dark oh, Man. Dark Man's phenomenal. Um, Toxic Crusader? Is that a Ninja <laughs> Turtles? Okay. X-Men. Yeah. So all of them had this huge... The Toxic Avenger. There we go. Toxic Avenger. All of them were like... Toxic. Had this huge foundation built on, upon fantastical elements, whereas... And even Tim Burton's Batman was limited by the studio that wanted... When Tim Burton tried to go darker... Tried to get more grounded with say Batman Returns. Fun. If he went any darker, there was, it'd be a Zack Snyder film. There were so many complaints about Batman Returns by like McDonald's and moms and families that it was so unapproachable to children that Warner Brothers had to backpedal and then Burton stepped down and Joel Schumacher showed up. Mm, okay. So then you have that disaster. Did you know James Gunn wrote for trauma films? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Nicole, have you ever seen the Toxic Avenger movies at all? Nope. If you ever need a good laugh, you should watch at least one of them. Are you sure I'll find it funny? Yes. Probably not. (laughs) I find them to be very, like, poorly written and just entertaining movies. 
and the visual effects are great for its. It's a mutant in a tutu. Yeah, but surf surf Nazis must die is even better. Oh, classic. Tox. What was it? Uh, Newcomb High is another. That's a good one. Yeah. Most of us already know the premise of the film and its background, but in honor of this tenth anniversary, we'll indulge indulge trivia nonetheless. All right. Seriously, why are there little stars right there? That's where I put what I thought was Froz's sole opinions. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna get, did we really need like one star, then two star, then three stars? Is that like, you know, like show the category of how much of that is really a Faraz opinion? They I think I'll say the same thing. I think I could. I stopped Faraz. doing it. But cause... I feel like if it's three stars, it means it's a real Faraz opinion where one star is like. It's so no, 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 no. That's that's writing. You you would star it because it's. Each asterisk is a different footnote. No, wait. But I, you're given the same footnote. I have Right. I could have done it 15 times, but I stopped. <laughs> but here's the thing about the footnotes. All of them say, as opinionated by Faraz. That's so what right. I'm saying. They're the, the exact first, same footnote. That's first... why I'm saying they go by yeah. severity. No, I know. No. But... <laughs> no. They're not if you were to grade them by severity, then the that would... The first thing that has a footnote says, if not indeed the very best, as in the very best of the Dark Knight series. Right. Well, Okay. No, the very best of the genre. This is the very best of the genre. Oh, okay. Oh, I fine. see that now. I wasn't looking. There. All right, of mm-hmm. the now booming superhero film genre. Okay, right. that's fine. So that's as opinionated by Frost. Correct. What, we'll indulge in trivia nonetheless. Opinionated by Frost. That's what just ad nauseum. That means that Frost assumes that everybody in the world has seen this movie. So why wouldn't you put the <laughs> footnote after most of us already know the premise of the film? It doesn't have to be at the end of the sentence. It no, it does be have to be at the end no, of the sentence. No, it doesn't. It has to be wherever mm. it's applicable. No, it has to be at the end of the it sentence. It does not have to be I at the end of the sentence. I just put it where the point is supposed to be that it's that's Faraz's opinion. That's why it says, if not indeed the very best, because Faraz, would you say that this it is the best? It could be in the middle of a sentence. But no, no, it has to be at the end of the sentence. That's an opinion echoed by a great many publications and critics All alike. Does a footnote... Published by Faraz. Does a footnote have to be notated at the end of a full sentence, or should it be notated right after, right immediately after the point it's making? End of the sentence. It's been a while since I I've consulted because... my APA guidebook, <laughs> so <laughs> I would, I think, based on just here's like general recollection right now, that it's actually at the end. I was gonna just like say, footnotes I'm, are generally like say like if you're looking at a book. And there's different footnotes for the same topic, like say one paragraph. You would have footnote number one, footnote number two at the end of the, the sentence. But like it's it's like if you're citing sources, okay? If you're saying one thing at the beginning of the sentence and you're citing another thing in the middle and then an, a third thing at the end, you're going to Instead of the, Batman tonight, we'll be talking Chris, grammar. <laughs> now, when I first saw the asterisks on the script, I questioned Chris about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And he explained it to me. I wasn't really content with his explanation, but I said, whatever. And here we are with Nicole derailing everything based right. on this. Well, let's, let's continue on and we'll come back to that. Because now we're going to go back, back, back to 2002 when a Nicole date. was a senior in college, just getting her first comic book movie, which was X-Men The Last Stand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see any of this in the script, but keep nope. going. And then she discovered the nice, grossly slapstick Batman and Robin the greatest of all Batman movies. Which was born from the questionable mind of Joel Schumacher <laughs> and destroyed the reputation of the Cape Crusader for film audiences worldwide. Director and writer Joss Whedon, the greatest writer of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Firefly fame, 
approached Warner Brothers with a proposal to reboot the Batman film franchise with an origin story, a notion that Schumacher himself had pitched earlier, but was rejected. (laughs) Warner Brothers also rejected the idea of Whedon doing that, perhaps fearing that the public wasn't ready to forgive the disaster that was Batman and Robin. See, I could have asterisked about all those sentences, but I didn't. I actually sort of agree with him on this. Well, yeah, but it's still an opinion. But that's what happened. Well, yeah. an opinion if that's what happened. Well, no. The fact that Josh Whedon went and did that is a fact. Yes. But, but Josh Whedon, why he got rejected? Yeah, that's up to speculation. But Josh Whedon also pitched a Wonder Woman movie for many years trying to do that, and they kept rejecting him. Yeah. But you said it was grossly slapstick. That may, ne- that may necessarily be everybody's opinion. I would opinion. think that it was more fluorescent than anything. I think it was more about the Batman nipples in this movie Joel that had Schumacher people upset. Joel found a black light and just rolled with it for the rest of his Gotham City days. I think everyone has opinions on Batman and Robin. Yeah. Yep. Nevertheless, a few years later, director Christopher Nolan. Thank you. <laughs> known for his neo-noir thriller, Memento. Great movie. And writer David Goyer, who I think is actually sort of underappreciated as a writer, of Blade, Call of Duty games, and Dark City were hired to develop a Batman origin tale. During this time, the most, really, venerated superhero film was Sony Spider-Man 2. Actually, I love that movie. Which had raised the bar for comic book films by balancing humor, drama, and superhero action. That's not the one where Peter Parker lost his powers. Oh, is no, it? it's um, where he gets... Dr. Octopus. Yeah. Okay. Alfred Molina plays a killer Doc Ock in mm-hmm. it. That's not the one where he walks down the street all confident. No, no, no. To that's no, where sequ- he points that's for like 15 minutes. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure. No. Spider-Man 2 earned praise for conveying a plot grounded in humanity and emotion, showing that comic book films could appeal to more than just avid fans of the pages. Thus, it was that Nolan and Goyer set out to make a Batman unlike anything that had so far been seen on the big screen. A dark night grounded in reality, enveloped by tragedy and humanity. Preferring real stunt work and scaled models to CGI... The new project was already becoming vastly different to other superhero works of the time and since. Good? Yeah? Mm-hmm. All right. In the summer of 2005, Batman Begins debuted starring Christian Bale. There are a lot of dates in this movie. I just want to... Or this script. <laughs> I'm just saying that. There's a lot. And none of them have adjectives in front of them. Christian Bale was in the title role who auditioned for the role in Val Kilmer's Batman Forever Batsuit. So, throwback. Michael Caine as the ever-patient Alfred Pennyworth. Gary Oldman as police officer James Gordon. Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox, the head of Wayne Enterprises Research and Development. Cillian Murphy as the twisted doctor Jonathan Crane. Murphy had originally auditioned for the role of Batman, but... Failing that was impressive enough that Nolan didn't want to let him leave empty-handed. It was a good choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's an awesome actor. Yep. He's great in that role. Yeah. And Liam Neeson in another <laughs> of his mentor-type roles, this time playing the en- en- enigmatic, enigmatic. enigmatic <laughs> Ducard Ra al Ghul. Raish al Ghul. Although the movie mispronounces it as Raz. It's Raj. So say it all together. It should be Raish al Ghul. Raish al Ghul. I don't know how to say it. The movie mispronounces it. Got Raj. it. The animated series corrects it. Okay. Out of spite. Okay. The Chris Nolan didn't address this. He let this slide by. I think a lot of fans were actually a little bit 
surprised that Chris Nolan let that slide by. I was surprised. Shocking. I'm surprised we're it's still talking li- about it's, it. I, it's, <laughs> it's almost appalling. I will say that's one of my favorite twists, though, in Batman Begins. <laughs> because when you look at Ken Watanabe at the beginning, He's, he yeah, has he the look the of Al Ghul. Yeah. Can I surprise, but not really surprise? You've never, never seen it. I've seen she it. doesn't know who Ken Watanabe is. I've seen Batman Begins once. I've seen The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises multiple times, but I've only seen Batman Begins once. The film also featured Katie Holmes in a role written just <laughs> no for the movie. No one was commenting on that. The obligatory love interest, Rachel Dawes. Wasted character. Batman Begins inspired the by the comic book Batman Year One, told the tale of the years between young Bruce Wayne witnessing the heart-wrenching death of his parents and the advent of the Batman prowling the sinister shadows of Gotham City. Bats frighten me. It's time my enemies share my dread. You need to say that like Batman. Yeah, I, I was can't. So that's, that's weak. I Where is can't. It? Right. Bats frighten me. It's time my enemies share my dread. Yes. Bale's Bruce Wayne explains to a concerned Alfred... Thus did the film revolve around the central theme of fear, embracing and overcoming it, and rising above it. It also demonstrated to mainstream audiences a concept of longtime fans of the character were already familiar with the idea that Bruce Wayne is, in fact, the made-up personality and that the Batman is who the person truly is within the core. Asterix. (laughs) It's not who I am underneath. But what I do that defines me. <laughs> That's not Butchering how he say all it. The quotes. Who he would to, say it. I'll who, say it. I'll who say wants it. to be the quotation It's person. not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Thank you. Batman murmurs to Rachel atop <laughs> oh, the Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't murmur it. Invoking an <laughs> argument. <laughs> all right, Beaker. Batman murmurs to Rachel atop a rooftop, invoking an argument she herself had earlier raised to a seemingly carefree Bruce. Now, looking at Batman Year One, Mm -hmm. it makes total sense because Frank Miller wrote it. And Mm -hmm. if you've read Sin City or seen the movies and how they transitioned that, he he knows how to show a damaged character that, like, grows and evolves into what they're supposed to be. Yes. Yeah. Sin City is a pretty movie to look at. It is. It's visually amazing. Batman Begins was received favorably by critics and the general movie-going public alike, praised as better than its 90s predecessors and breaking opening week records for IMAX theaters. Venerable Batman comic book writer Dennis O'Neill supported the film and Nolan's interpretation of the characters, expressing that the filmmakers showed an understanding and empathy for the source material. Legendary director Tim Burton, the, the mind behind Michael Keaton's iconic two turns as the Cape Crusader, also praised Nolan's franchise reboot. You did a good job. That's what he said. <laughs> but a lot darker. Yeah. You did a good job. Batman Begins would go on to become the fourth highest grossing Batman film of all time, behind only its sequels and Burton's original film. Batman Begins is credited for not just rebooting Batman, but rebooting the entire idea of what a superhero films could be with its foundation built on gritty realism. Asterix. Kevin Fergie, producer of Marvel Studios, said of the film's impact on the industry and genre, Christopher Nolan's Batman is the greatest thing that happened. Just the quote. What? It's an actual quote. He called him Chris, not Christopher. Okay. His name is Christopher. 
Chrissy Nolan's Batman is the greatest thing that happened because it boistered everything. He didn't say that. Bolstered everything. Okay. I don't think that's a real quote. I don't think that's a real quote either. Because you know why? It doesn't say quote or unquote. That's the only time I know Faraz is serious. (laughs) You know what else I don't think is why it's a real quote? Because it sounds like uh, Faraz wrote it. I can provide you a we're excited page if you'd like. Sir. There's no asterisk behind it, so we don't know. The following year, Warner Brothers announced that a sequel was in the works, whereas Christopher Nolan and David Goyer looked <laughs> to the Batman Year One comic for inspiration behind their initial film. Chris hired his brother Jonathan, or Johnny, to assist oh, with the development of the sequel. Johnny Nolan delved into the original stories of the Joker from the 1940s, along with the iconic the Long Halloween, and The Killing Joke. Like its predecessor, The Dark Knight would also be tied together by a central theme, a theme that was alluded to by the end of Begins, Escalation, as Christopher Nolan, I guess we're doing that. <laughs> no, it says Chris Nolan in as the script. As Chris Nolan put it, things, oh wait, as Chris Nolan put it, quote, things having, he's British. Oh, shit. So you need to read it. Jesus, Faraz, you get a whole page to read. Things having to get That's worse not how before British they people get better. Talk. I can't, I don't know. I can't do it right now. You can't do I've, I've drank too much Canadian beer. I can't do it. Okay. The premise is summed up neatly by Aaron Eckhart's tragic Harvey Dent when he implores the people of Gotham to remain steadfast and cling to their humanity and decency instead of surrendering to the whims of a madman bent on proving a sadistic point about our species and society. The night is darkest just before the dawn, Dent somberly says. I promise you, the dawn is coming. The cast. What's from- going on over there? There's I- secret meetings. Yeah, it's very yes. distracting. Because, I, I because Faraz gave himself the majority of the no, script. I, no, I, I don't divvy out the parts. I divvied it up, and I messed it up. So I'm going to take uh. your scripts slowly, Faraz. It's on Just the f- go up until the paragraph that is not indented. It's on the fly editing. The fuck? Just oh, okay. Why do we gotta always have the E? Hey. Where it says your name on the next page, it's really Chris. Okay. And where I wrote in your name is where you're going to start reading. Okay. Where it doesn't indent, so. The cast from the previous film returned to their respective roles, with the exception of Katie Holmes, who dropped out to pursue mad money. You know... That's what the official answer is. Mm-hmm. Why she wasn't in The Dark Knight. Hey, no. what, what's the... But at the time of, I'd heard that she was forced out because of Tom Cruise's Oprah situation mm. on the couch. That would make sense. And that Warner Brothers didn't want people focusing you, you on Katie Holmes and her marriage while watching the next movie. So I, I don't really don't know which was the, the correct explanation probably the, the freak out on the couch probably the freak out on the couch that's what i'm thinking that's where john cruz or john cruz <laughs> john cruz cruz john cruz is tom cruz's brother less famous brother but i'm not done reading i, I still have this all right we're just gonna take scripts from people i guess mid sentence. <laughs> yeah. faraj you haven't stopped talking this entire time <laughs> okay and you weren't reading you were talking the character of rachel dawes Gotham's assistant district attorney and childhood friend of Bruce Wayne went to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Another addition to the cast was Heath Ledger, whose casting as the maniacal Joker was initially met with widespread skepticism and doubt. I think it would have been better if uh, it went to Jake Gyllenhaal. 
to Jake. <laughs> yeah, uh, he would be a better Spider-Man. If too, I'm not yeah. mistaken, Jake Gyllenhaal actually did audition for the part of Bruce Wayne in um, Batman Begins, but he lost the role to Christopher Bale. It would have been really Bale. awkward. Jesus Christ, even the name Christopher. No, Bruce I think Bale. Jake Gyllenhaal should have played Rachel Dolls. I think it would have been really weird if. Maggie Gyllenhaal was Rachel Dawes and Jake Gyllenhaal was Bruce Wayne and they had to kiss. That's really sick. <laughs> That's yeah, why would you even suggest that sick. right now? Yeah, like, <laughs> this is a dark movie and then you had to take it like way different. That's you know? super you dark. Saying, you went Snyder on us. You were saying that he auditioned for the role of Batman and she was supposed to be Batman's love interest. And I'm saying that would have been weird. I'm concurring that that would not have been appropriate. What's con- the problem? I'm going to go on. But they probably could have kissed okay because they, they got weird noses. <laughs> they do. For this sequel, <laughs> Chris Nolan wanted everything to be bigger and better. Not a fan. Chris Nolan? I don't know. Not, not a fan of the 3D format. He instead preferred to use IMAX cameras, larger set pieces, and more expansive action sequences. Wait. Oh, that is the right word. The use of the IMAX cameras, however, presented the crew with numerous challenges caused by the substantial weight of the equipment and the background noise they produced, which could threaten to interrupt dialogue. Much like, like this show. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan had to Dude, settle. Well played, Chris. <laughs> Nolan had to settle for a film that was intermittently shot with IMAX and traditional camera equipment throughout. Is it me or is this beer taste weirder and weirder the more you drink it? Uh, I've had one sip and I haven't really gone I've back. I've been on my chase. Yeah, beer. I did like two sips. I can't do it. I drink I about it half of the beer that we're drinking. Yeah. And then I go to my chaser beer and then I save the other half for when we rate it. So I can remember. I'm going to have a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> Right, well, so here on my improvised spot. Yeah, this was me, but suddenly I I'm lost sorry. my part. I don't. That's not the am I fired? No. Okay. Never. Do you want this spot? It's okay. No, I'm okay. Okay. I'd rather make comments. It does change stuff later on, so you know, just yeah. pay attention. I'm good with making comments. Okay. It's fine. I'd rather talk about the Joker, anyways. Okay, perfect. Despite not being fully shot in IMAX, this... <laughs> really. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish it. It's fine. Go. Finish do it. it now. You have to finish once you start. I needed the, another chaser beer. Yeah. I'm sorry. We told you to open that before we started. <laughs> I didn't think I would need the, the other chaser beer. So let me go back to the start of this. Despite Faraz's interruption and this film not being fully shot in IMAX, this sequel was undeniably larger than its predecessor. Larger than life. Yes. That's right. Like the uh-huh. Backstreet Boys. What? <laughs> yeah. Throwback. Go listen to that episode. That's right. Buoyed by convincing and passionate performances from its entire cast, perhaps most notably Heath Ledger's unique award-winning portrayal of the legendary Joker. Who knew? Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight kept audience suspended on the edge of their seats with constant near climaxes and thought-provoking layers of plot related to the failures of modern society and humanity. And the conviction needed to maintain both. And I've never read a sentence that has so many ands in it before. <laughs> yes. Run on sentence. I like when you get into your 1940s newscaster voice. <laughs> you like that? You got to know when Faraz is actually throwing it in there that you have to do that. I thought you had to know when to hold them. And you got to know when to fold them. Through... Wait a minute. No, I read that wrong. Though the movie conveys a plethora of twists and climaxes... 
It is the scene referenced at the start of our discussion that carries the full weight of the numerous plots and brings all the intricately woven themes to fruition in this final somber pinnacle of the story. So you know that sentence you said before had a lot of and? Only had three and. It felt like there were a lot more. There were not. Mm. Oh, well. <laughs> Didn't expect you to go back and count. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. Because, no, because if you say there are a lot of ex- if you say there are a lot of exclamation points, or it's a particularly long run-on sentence, I'm going to see just how long it is. But there were only three ands. Remember, this is the girl that, that likes realism. I know. Yeah. Sorry. And no yet, fantasy. couldn't remember the Dark Knight that she, even though she just saw it this morning. I know for the first time. But I didn't see ever. Harvey Dent die. Well, you gotta, no, you didn't see what... Oh, never mind, you're right. You gotta finish <laughs> it tonight. <laughs> Harvey Dent's talking. That's right. You thought we could be decent men in an indecent time. Harvey Dent, now two-faced, snarled. Snarl. By this point in the film, the assembled heroes, Batman, not really Dent, and Gordon, have all endured the consequences of the pact they agreed to earlier in the film to oppose the last remnants of the mob in Gotham City. The three of them knew that things would get ugly, (laughs) but they pursued their quest for justice nonetheless, heedless of the ramifications and personal loss, unaware of what really happens when an unstoppable force meets an unmovable object, as Ledger's cynical Joker eloquently put it when describing his seemingly imminent victory over the soul of this city. I don't know what any of that means. (laughs) I don't know what any of that means. You sound like the Joker laughing. (laughs) (laughs) This scene, the crescendo, is the boiling point and actualization of the foreshadowing of... Page turn. (laughs) See, Chris, you don't have it this time. Scenes passed. (laughs) The part wherein the Batman acknowledges the validity of a statement given by Dent earlier on in the film, you either die a hero... Or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Dun, dun, dun! The quest taken on by these three righteous men threw their city into chaos, their families and loved ones into peril, and may have broken them forever. Dogs living with cats. (laughs) Dent, having lost his fiance and half of his face to the fiery madness of the Joker, an anarchist determined to prove that the Deep down, all humans are a little more than hungry dogs, has taken on a new quest separate but not entirely dissimilar from the one he and his two fellow heroes agree upon early in the me- in the movie. Sorry. He decides that justice can't be about only going after evil. It has to be about balance. It has to be about chance because chance is the only thing in life that's fair. He kills corrupt police officers and mobsters alike, then goes after Gordon's family in his continued pursuit of demonstrating that justice applies to everyone because not even heroes are without blood on their hands. I thought this movie was about uh, how cool the Batmobile was. I didn't realize there's all these themes. The Batmobile blew up in the movie, Chris. And then he tried to kill his boy. (laughs) (laughs) Next movie. He held my my boy and he was going to kill him. (laughs) The Batman saved him. The Batman intervenes, throwing himself into Dent and inadvertently killing him in order to save Gordon's son. Batman 
himself takes a fall, nearly destroying his leg. Realizing the political ramification Dent's private quest uh, would have on all they've achieved against organized crime, not to mention making the Joker the victor in principle, Batman decides to take the blame for Dent's killing and the man's own death. Is nearly destroying his leg a little dramatic? I don't know. What did you, mean, you see it in the third movie? Yeah, his leg was shot. Was it? Yeah. Okay. You've never seen the third movie, Chris? I've seen the movie. It's been a while. It's and I mean, Batman's one. It's been a while. Batman's one rule is to not kill anybody. His one rule is to rule them all. His one rule, which Joker promised him he was going to do by the end of the night. Oh, he did. He convinces Shh. Gordon that. So deep. Quote. Sometimes truth isn't good enough. Sometimes people deserve more. You didn't Quote, say it too Batmanish. I can't do that. Because sometimes truth isn't good enough. Sometimes people deserve more. Yeah, baby. Which Batman <laughs> is a real Batman, everybody? Let us know. Gordon believes. I want him, a Twizzler. Believing in the ideal that Batman stands for. So he calls the assembled police units to inform them of Dent's murder at the hands of the Batman, thus shattering the public's fascination and adoration of the Batman and replacing it with outrage and hate. Grrrr. He has fallen from grace. Yes. Literally the whole movie. Icarus. So <laughs> he flew too high to the sun and yep. then he fell. He, yes. Batman's Icarus. He fell from grace from the moment the very first movie started to the third movie. Yes. Constant falling. Hey, Chris, I know I'm supposed to read here, but you know what? I haven't heard you talk in a while, so it'd be nice if you I know this. I got cut out of the whole script. I, I know. I feel like I got mixed up. I don't know what happened. I feel like we should All just go back up. to Chris divvying to out do. parts then. Because it seemed like it was okay. I don't know what, what happened with the trading. Where it says Chris, it's JL. Where it says JL, it's Chris. It's so confusing. Gone. I, f- I feel very JL now. Left out. <laughs> <laughs> it's here that the Dark Knight fully delivers the weight of its imminent legion of tragedies. Heroes can fall and die. They can become corrupted. Even the truth can become corrupted. Everything becomes corrupted. Corrupted, corrupted, corrupted. <laughs> this show's become corrupted. <laughs> Because sometimes a lie can be justifiably told to prevent greater horrors, to prevent more pain. Sometimes people deserve to have their faith rewarded. The film is undeniably full of terrible gravity, asterisks. But it's here that all the themes <laughs> writers Chris Nolan and his brother Jonathan weaved throughout his, the entirety come together. That heroes can fall, that faith in humanity is important if goodness is to beat evil, and as stated by Newton's laws of motion, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. This latter is a central theme of the film and quite possibly of the entire Dark Knight trilogy. I always thought it was a Newton thing. Yeah. I even ate Fig Newtons while I watched the movie. <laughs> I love Fig Newtons. If, the th- if this is the theme of escalation... This is the keystone that connects the Dark Knight trilogy and the ideals of the Batman mythos. Batman is willing to sacrifice sacrifice himself, his own reputation, and urban legacy for the collective soul. I love the band Collective Soul. Where did they ever go? Oh, they're awesome. They're in this your is heart. the world as they know it. 
Huh? They're in your heart. They had like spirit. 14 guitar players. It's it was cool. It's a collective soul. They have to harbor somewhere. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. Of the city he's been trying to save. This is quite possibly one of the most powerful scenes dele- de- delineated in any comic book movie or perhaps any movie. Heroes are often portrayed as noble individuals fighting evil for the sake of doing things. But here, the Batman is willing to run his... Gauntlet. Own name in the mud to create a lie to defend a real evil in order to preserve a long-term greater good. See, it's very layered. It is a layered scene of such complexity that has never before been seen or since been replicated. Asterisks. The mise-en-scene, or setting upon which this scene takes place. I'm glad you had to say that. What does that mean? I just explained it in English. The mise-en-scene is a setting. Oh, okay. Can I... Go on. Yeah, because you explained it, but I interrupted you. The mise-en-scene, or setting upon which this scene takes place... That's what it means. ...is also important. The setting is a burned warehouse in which Rachel Dawes... We all know who she is. I don't know why there's a parenthesis Jack here. Jack Gyllenhaal? <laughs> slash However, if you forgot who Rachel Dawes was, she was Harvey's fiance and Bruce's reason for clinging to humanity. Anyway, this is the, mur- the warehouse where she was murdered by the Joker. Rachel's death was a fulcrum in the film as her death forced the Batman to realize that his tireless crusade is not without casualties and that sometimes those casualties can be close and dear. Now, why did you say uh, me see scene and then describe it? Why not just say the setting upon the scene without... Because when you're describing a scene of a movie, it's actually referred to as a missile sun. But then you had to describe it. Because for those who wouldn't know, like how... In so the, why not just skip that part? Episode, like the uncut episode, uh-huh. how I broke down economics into layman's terms. Yeah. Like the Big Mac economics. I lost where we were. Where are we? So mise-en-scene is how you would refer to it to amongst film affectionados. Okay. We're trying to... J.L., where we are is we're trying to figure out how many... Where the asterisks go. Does it go at the end of the sentence or does we're it go at the end there? of the sentence? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Where the fuck was I? <laughs> yeah! Oh my gosh! That was gone a long time ago. No Stop. kids can Stop listen to this episode. Dad, you were. This is Alex. Dad, can I listen to your show? No. No. <laughs> Why? It's on Batman, though. <laughs> I love Batman. No. Rachel's death was a fulcrum in the film as her death forced the Batman to realize that his tireless crusade is not without casualties. Can you explain fulcrum? Yeah, it's like the lever that switches one gear to another. Oh, I thought it was the thing in the back of the throat. The yeah. little ball thing that hung no, down. No, it's not your fulcrum. Okay. I that, thought that was like a joint or something. That makes more sense, the way that you say it. Thank you. Because the way I thought it, that would be a weird so sentence. So her death was the little ball thing in the film? Yes. Anyway, her death <laughs> forced the Batman to realize that his tireless crusade is not without casualties, and that sometimes those casualties can be close and dear. For Harvey, Rachel's death pushed him towards vengeful madness, which, as the Joker explained to Batman, is not like is a lot like gravity. All it takes is a little push. That, Har- that Harvey Dent united his fellow protagonists here, where his life and dreams fell apart, exemplifies his desire to do the same to James Gordon. To have Gordon's family die in the same place that he himself lost his beloved. Die. The Batman's intervention and subsequent killing of Dent brings it together in poetic tragedy. Dent died in the same place his fiance died, 
all because of the string pulling of the Joker and the Batman's incessant crusade. The setting is dark, a burned wreckage engulfed by shadows. It's unquestionably symbolic of the emotional state of the film's protagonist. I want to roll into a ball and sit in the corner now. The music playing in the scene, titled Watch the World Burn, is almost monotone but ominous, promising of sorrow and grief and defeat. It's a fitting sound as all three heroes lose something in this scene. Dent loses his life. The Batman loses his reputation as savior and hero. And Gordon loses his closest allies in the war against crime. So we're talking about the title of the music of these Batman movies. I just want everybody listening to know that Faraz drives a night edition of his car. A night edition. Like the Dark Knight. And the most frequent soundtrack that he plays in his night car that has Batman logos that project onto the ground when he opens the Care Bears movie. When he opens his driver and passenger front doors, there are Batman logos that project onto the ground. Mm -hmm. There are Batman coasters in his car. And the music, the soundtrack that is most frequently playing in his car when he's driving. Is the Dark Knight? <laughs> Do you know why? Because Faraz is the Knight Rider. Yes, the he Knight Rider. The Germans love me. But Faraz, we have to go get the Dark Knight. It says me, but I think it's you. It is. Who? You. Who? What? It says me. Who? I've been cut out of this episode. So it's JL's turn. It's JL. Or we could read it together. I'll... In the eyes of many No, 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 critics. in the Batman. Huh? In the Batman. You take the first paragraph, I'll take the next, and then you can do the page turn. We could read every other word. You no, take the no, page no, you turn. take the first paragraph, I'll take the following one. Okay. In the eyes of many film critics and industrial analysts, The Dark Knight legitimized the superhero film genre, paving the way for the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Entertainment Weekly observed that the film cemented a new way of talking about superhero movies, especially with regards to the genre approaching political commentary and artistic achievement. In this, the 10th anniversary of The Dark Knight, many publications and critics have revisited the film. IGN expressed that it remains the best superhero film to date. Isn't that a gaming company? A gaming review company? Yeah, but they also do movie reviews. Okay. Arguing that this isn't just because of Ledger's unforgettable Joker, but also because of Bale's great Batman voice and tormented (laughs) Batman. Variety commented on how Christopher Nolan and his Batman film left a lasting impact on the Oscars, something no other film in the genre has managed to do. Variety writer Christopher Tapley describes the film as a zeitgeist-infused superhero sequel that would come to be widely regarded as the best in the genre. Is he your brother? No. Okay, because he used some $9 words there. (laughs) (laughs) You said I used $5 words. I've upped it. (laughs) Was on a crash course with major Oscar recognition. Variety notes how Harvey Weinstein, we don't really talk about him, (laughs) because he's the now-disgraced head of Miramax, muscled the Holocaust film, The Reader, into the running. Way to bring two disgusting things into one sentence. Effectively (laughs) causing a snub of Christopher Nolan's universally acclaimed superhero drama. And then he had sex with all the women in the audience. Uh, you can do this next one, Chris. 
The controversial snubbing of The Dark Knight would be the very last time that the Oscars considered only five films for the category of Best Picture. The category was subsequently. 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 Doubled in size to allow room for films like Nolan's Epic in future considerations. This was the most significant shakeup of the Oscars in 60 years. Because without that, Mad Max Fury Road would not have been nominated for Best Picture. The I, Dark Knight opened up the doors for a lot of movies. Even I, though Mad Max Fury Road is a phenomenal film. It's a great film. And Charlize Theron is the real star of the movie. Oh, no, her, her missing arm is the real star of the movie. That is some Isn't the she the star scene. of every movie she's in? No, I saw <laughs> Prometheus. She was not the star of that movie. She was the star of that Snow White movie she did. Did not see that either. What was that called? Prometheus what she did with the girl 2. from Twilight. Snow White Years. I saw a meme where like... Oh, wait. Did where, I posted this on the group. Was it her as the villain in the last Fast and Furious movie? No. Because she was a great villain in that. Was it the one where she was fat? What? Oh, in Monster. Monster. Yeah. No. No. Anyway. anyway Nicole. Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting my turn. Since its debut 10 years ago, 10 whole long years ago a decade as long as this episode is taken to record (laughs) one decade the dark knight has influenced numerous films and directors it also left an imprint in the consciousness of the casual movie going fan with youtube parodies of various dark knight scenes still being uploaded specifically pertaining to the iconic interrogation of the joker by the batman the Batman. Yeah, he goes by the Batman. Yeah, because you can't just hit somebody at the head like there. They get all woozy. <laughs> <laughs> he used to go by a Batman, but then that would imply that there was more than one. Yeah, now there's just now he's like a Highlander because there can be only, only one. So one. he's the Batman. Got it. It's been placed on various lists of the top-rated Hollywood films ever made, including BBC's and IMDb's. Is there a reason why IMDb is not in capital letters? Yeah. No, no reason. Rude. <laughs> I know. Seriously, I go to there for everything when I got to talk to you. <laughs> On those sites, it's firmly, firmly occupied the rank of the number four out of the top 250 top-rated films for the past decade. Variety notes, quote, Nolan's film exacted change. It moved the needle. It far outlived its last box office dollar in the closing curtain of Oscar night. And it will continue to inspire new generations of filmmakers awed by what was achieved. In that and many other ways, the Dark Knight is eternal. Where's the asterisk for Faraz there? That's a quote. I don't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll conclude with Christian Bale's jovial line from Batman Begins. Who wants to do it? Jail. Jail. Well, a guy dresses up like a bat clearly has issues. (laughs) Unquote. Asterisk as opinionated by Faraz. No, you don't have to read asterisk, those. Asterisk asterisk as opinionated do. by Faraz. Asterisk 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 as opinionated right, by grab Faraz. Grab that fishbowl. To which fish I can provide fishbowl. numerous works cited. <laughs> now time for fishbowl facts where we pick facts out of a fishbowl. These are fun facts that people might not have known and have not been mentioned so far in the reading of this script. This Hopefully. is probably my favorite like segment bonus of facts the show. That it's like bonus facts that we read randomly. Starting with you for us. It's your topic. <clears throat> Legend <laughs> made a diary while preparing to play the character. It included various clipped art 
Alex from A Clockwork Orange figures heavily. Why does it sound like Yoda became Batman? <laughs> I think it's weird that he cleared his throat and then spoke like he's got something stuck in his throat. Yeah, seriously, though, I felt like Yoda just became Batman. Yeah, that'd be cool. Stylized I am. <laughs> and even lines from the script recopied his own handwriting. In 2013, Ledger's father, Kim, revealed the diary. Ledger's father, Kim? Whatever. Revealed the diary in a documentary and noted that his son did immersive work like this for every role, but really took it up a notch for the Joker. Other actors considered for the role of Harvey Dent included Matt Damon, Mark Ruffalo, Matt Damon, and, <gasps> and Ben Affleck, and Ryan Felipe. Wow. Before attempting to write the character of the Joker, the Nolan brothers revisited Fritz Lang's classic film, The Testament of Dr. Mabuse. Mabuse? What is um, it? I Anybody don't know? know? I can't see what you're reading. M A B U S E. Dr. Maybelline. <laughs> as a study, Only she knows it's Maybelline. As a study in but how to write supervillains. Visually, Nolan also specifically cited the work of painter Francis Bacon as a touchstone for Joker's distorted view of the world. Nolan had no intention on making a sequel. Nolan says, I did <laughs> Wait a minute, isn't he British? Yeah. yeah. That's what Chris said. I didn't have any intention of making a sequel to Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> and I was quite surprised. He's not John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> but I am. <laughs> I was quite surprised to find myself wanting to do it. I just got caught up in the process of imagining how you would see a character like the Joker through the prism of what we did in the first film. I don't know if he's British or not. I was just trying to get Frost to like do a it. British accent. I like it. It's good. You're next. Oh. For the scene in which... It's a circle of life. <laughs> Every week. It's the Wheel of Fortune. Not when you divvy up script cards, though. <laughs> no, it was me, not him. Stop blaming him. Yeah, stop blaming me. <laughs> Blame this- Canada. For the scene in which the Joker sneaks into a panicked Gotham hospital to see Harvey Dent, Ledger dresses up in a nurse's uniform. If you look closely, you'll see that the nurse's name tag reads Matilda. Matilda is Ledger's daughter, who was born in 2005, the debut year of Batman Begins. Wow. There was dates. You like dates. One of the most identical characteristics of Ledger's portrayal of the Joker. Identifiable. That's what I said. No, you said identical. No, it's identifiable. I did not hear Re- that. He replay meant. the tape of the Joker. <laughs> replay that cassette. <laughs> of the Spreaker. Make sure you go to Spreaker. Yeah, listen on Spreaker. Is the way that he almost constantly licks his lips. This was not planned. According to dialect coach Jerry Grenoll, who worked with Ledger on the film, the tick arose because the scar prosthetics, which extended into Ledger's mouth, would loosen as he performed. So he licked his lips repeatedly in effort to keep them in place. You know, I just told Nicole that today while she's watching the movie. You did? Oh, yeah? Yeah, because I, I knew it had something to do with it the makeup. It was so nice you had that fishbowl effect right next to you as you said it. And Chris Nolan, like, kept it in because it added, like, a serpentine serpentine quality to the Joker. Why don't you like the word Christopher? Because he goes by Chris. Does he? I'm when? respecting his wants. Yeah, his IMD. Last I B checked, says Christopher. when I was watching Dunkirk, it was directed by Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Nolan. Yeah, it gives full names for the credits. Hey, Christopher. Yes. Do you prefer Christopher or Chris? I do prefer Christopher, but I don't expect people to say that. I'm going to call you Chrissy. I'm going to call you Farazi. I'm going to call people have called me Farazi. I sometimes call him Chrissy Poo. Chrissy Poo is acceptable. The film's prologue, featuring the Joker's bank robbery, was filmed on IMAX and released early in its entirety as a teaser. 
Do you know what movie it was released during? No. I Am Legend. They released it during I Am Legend because I went to go see that movie in IMAX just so I could see this. And the person in the IMAX I went to came out and said, if you are here just for the Dark Knight preview, you will not be getting your money back (laughs) from from I Am Legend. So if you don't want to see this movie, too bad, so sad, you lost your money. At least I Am Legend was a pretty decent movie until the um, end. It made a ton of money that opening weekend just because of that. Yeah. What is it, like six-minute spot that they did? Yeah. It's much better than the original. You know, we don't talk about this in the script because it was controversial at the time. They Warner Bros. did a whole viral marketing campaign online for The Dark Knight with Ledger's Joker and Harvey Dent's uh, DA campaign and all that. They had to pull... I believe in Harvey Dent. Yeah, they had to pull all of that after Ledger died because they didn't want to seem like they were exploiting mm. the actor. I can see that. So sad. Yep. Because the whole Why So Serious thing was a viral marketing campaign, mm. and that's what they had to pull. Other actresses up for the role of Rachel Dawes included Rachel McAdams and Emily Blunt. I like Emily Blunt. Yep. I like Rachel McAdams. I think both of them could have been... Could have yeah. done well. And they probably would have done better than I think Maggie yeah. Jones. She was the weak link of the movie. Yeah. But like I sometimes find myself wondering if Katie Holmes would have been better in that in that script and everything. Because I think she held her own in uh, Batman Begins. Why did she Begins. drop out? We went she over go, that in the script. Mad Money. We went over two theories why in the script. Okay. She was rearranging the script when we were talking about that. Yes. Actually, I think she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she dropped break. out to do another movie is the official response. The um, rumored the response is that because it happened around Mad the same Money. time, Tom Cruise's freak out on Oprah's couch. Oh, yeah. I love and Warner Katie Brothers Holmes. Thing, I love Katie Holmes. Warner Brothers didn't want to be associated I'm with not gay. the madness I'm not gay. of Scientology. That's family guy like to portray it. Got it. Okay. Well, let's talk about this beer. Let's. This. Uh, this story. The Goza. elephant in the room. Goza. Goza. This watermelon Goza from Terrapin. It goes, uh, not my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it going then? <laughs> I got to tell you, the first sip was interesting. Not that bad to me, but then there's no way you could drink much past four sips. It's, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It is like, Drinking a watermelon that's been sitting on a hot pavement. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and like, and you're I hope getting... you realize there are still two cans in the fridge and one of you is going to have to drink it. It's <laughs> like, I don't like things that are banana flavored because it just Well, tastes... then you should love this. No. no yeah. It... <laughs> this is not banana flavored. We know who's getting the extra can, J.O. <laughs> I don't Here. like... Have this extra one. It's not banana flavored. <laughs> I don't like things that are banana flavored because it, they taste superficial. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a watermelon drink. And you, you you understand that it's supposed to be watermelon, but it tastes like superficial watermelon. And therefore, I don't like it. The only fake fruit that tastes good is blueberry. That's yes. my opinion. I'm what? just laughing that you're going into like, well, I don't like banana, but we're rating a watermelon <laughs> beer. I know well, what she was saying. That's why you had to just let me finish what I was saying because it made sense to what my I review, tried to describe. Uh, I, I love chocolate, and this watermelon <laughs> beer doesn't taste at all like chocolate. No, Therefore, it doesn't. It tastes like watermelon, <laughs> not chocolate. But 
Anyway, I do understand why we have it because we're trying new things. But let me go back on topic. Yes. Um, I think last time we did like a sour beer. JL had followed a recommendation and paired it with some with another beer. Right. And he, we paired it with something else. What was the sour beer? It was a dogfish head, right? Yes, it was the dogfish head sequench sour ale, and we mixed it with the Lupu Luau IPA, which is a coconut IPA. Yep. And that was a decent mix-up, right there. That was really good. I enjoyed that. And the watermelon definitely needs a chaser. Now JL recommended that I take a chaser with it. I have gone through two. (laughs) I'm on my second. Huh? I am totally on my second chaser. Yeah. Um, I have, I can't even do one at a six because I can't finish the one. So I did four sips. That was my, you that's my get, rating. Was that like a point four? Point or four. Or point sure. zero four? Either one. No. Nicole, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. What it has to be point four or point zero four because you drank 40% okay. of your can or not even. Point four. Oh. So what's your rating? <sighs> Jesus Christ. I give it. Um, he would give it a one at least. He would turn it into something else. Yeah. I have to do... He would turn it into wine. <laughs> this is going to go to a point two, No, point zero two three five. <laughs> I love when I bring shitty beer. <laughs> Faraz could drop an F-bomb. I could say shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nicole, what was your rating? I, you know, I would probably give it a two. I. She's going to drink two of them? Yeah, she likes sour I things. didn't hate it. Okay. I didn't... Oh my gosh, there's so much left of this. Yes, that's why I get a point zero two three five. I didn't hate it. I just thought it was it was very fruity. It didn't taste like a beer. It tasted like artificial watermelon, but you could tell that it was supposed to be I watermelon. You liked fruity. No. I like regular. I think you're getting here confused with Chris. I like fruity. Anything anyway, but anything I give it a but two. banana. I give it a two. It it's not more than that. Anything but banana or chocolate. Yeah, no artificial <laughs> banana. I'm forcing myself to finish this one just so I can say I'd give it a one. But in reality, I was done halfway through. Yeah. I give it a half. Wow. Is that, our, oh is that the lowest beer rating that we've had on this show? No. That is the lo- I think that's the lowest all around beer rating. No, yeah. it's not. No, Are you sure? Worst beer rating what was worse than, than this? Uh, Genesee. The Neapolitan. Salted caramel porter, where we added whipped cream to it. All of us gave it a zero until we. Oh, added- we did that at my apartment. <laughs> all Remember of that? Us, yes. All we of went us- to the fridge and grabbed the whipped cream. Yeah, yeah. we all gave it a zero until we added the whipped cream. And it was so good <laughs> after that, wasn't it? It was delicious yeah. after that. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. as a whole, as a beer, we were like, "This shit sucks." It's a zero, and then we added whipped cream. We went, oh, this is really good. But I think all we tasted was whipped cream. <laughs> I was, I was really thinking this was going to be the lowest. It could be. As a whole, it could be. I don't know. But I'm totally giving it a half. Ladies and gentlemen, if JL's giving the beer a half, you know it's bad. You know it's bad. Have you ever given anything a one? I think I have a few times. Hmm. All of them are brewed by Genesee. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Genesee. Yeah, I got another one coming in a few weeks, too. Nice. I kind of do enjoy those. I do, too, because they're just entertaining. (laughs) I'm pretty sure my family's flying in. I don't know if they'll be able to bring us beer, but if they are able to bring us beer, I will make sure that they do that. On topic. Yes. Um. So Nicole and I were looking for a Dark Knight or Batman themed beer to bring for today. And I did some Google research and there Nightfall are a lager. <clears throat> Is there really one called that? No, but I really want to make it. Oh, 
there are different breweries around the country that do a Batman themed beer. And I have made some calls in Orlando and none of them have it. Like World of Beer in different locations other than the ones near us have a Batman style beer. You so, should demand for Batman. You can order it. It's like Tara got me. Stone Cold Steve Austin did an IPA. I remember that. The Broken Skull IPA. And she was like, you can't be here because you can't see that it's a beer. She was hoping I was going to be at work the day it showed up because it said alcohol must be 21 to sign and Mm -hmm. this whole thing. So she had it mailed because you can only get it in Texas and California. Do you have to beat it against your head when you're done? (laughs) No, that was the Sandman. Stone Cold Steve Austin delivered the stunner and just like all he did was drink beer. Oh, I thought he did something with the can. No, Iconic. that was the Sandman. No. Oh, okay. Anyway, going on from there, let's say that we can't find a Batman-themed beer on our own. JL and I were, before the show a couple days ago, we were talking about what kind of beer we think would fit a Batman theme. JL was saying, what was that? I said the um, the the Bat Ale. Like a, like a dark ale? Yeah, like a dark ale. If not, Nightfall Lager was the one I was going towards. Like a nice amber lager and all that. That would be smooth, yet have an undeniable taste to it. Okay. I think it should taste like a cough drop. Why? Because your voice needs one. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more of like a stout or a porter. Dark. Dark and brooding and and difficult. Yeah, difficult. Just like really there. Just the crime alley porter. Mm. Yes, that's a good one too. Something that makes you cry all your life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Something tragic. Very Not tragic. this watermelon. I'm making tragic, the killing but... joke IPA. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we got some emails. Yes. We got yeah, email. We do. Does anybody want to say what our email address is? Anybody? Mm, Podcast. Those who know it should say it. I want to say good. it. Good. Okay, Chris, go for it. Podcast forty two numerically four two show. At gmail.com. No, you don't have to type in numerically for two. Don't type in podcast numerically for two show. (laughs) That won't get you there. But you do have to type it in numerically. It's so confusing. You have to type in podcast 42 show at gmail.com, but make sure instead of typing the words 42, you type in the numbers 42. The numbers 42. So it's podcast the numbers forty two show <laughs> so, at gmail.com. We, we should do quote unquote. It's I the name to... of the show at gmail.com. Oh, everybody's gonna love this first email. Are oh, you ready? Boy. Our first email is from Stinky three four six seven nine eight five six zero one two three. That's like the four, rating of the beer <laughs> Who's it from? Stinky three six seven uh three six Three four six seven nine eight five six zero. Were there really one, that two, many stinkies at this domain? <laughs> Which domain is this? They ask. Hotmail. Was <laughs> okay. I believe it. There are probably that many stinkies on Hotmail. You they ask. You're gonna want to hear this. I'm not gonna know the answer, so it's up to you, gentlemen. Was Yoda a Sith Lord? No. Yes. No. Why? Yes. Why? Because Yoda always secretly knew that the Sith were there and he let them take over. So I think Yoda is a real villain in the series, but is so lovable because he's a Muppet that everybody overlooks it because he always sensed that the dark side was there. And who led the first uh, battle with the clone troopers? Yoda. Yoda. Geonosis. 
Yoda was a bastard. What? Yoda, Yoda could have ended it all. Why do you think but that Yoda didn't. knew about it, though? Why? Because in Cause all the novelizations. he was around Palpatine, he sensed something, but he did nothing. <gasps> yeah, because in all the novelizations and background material, they always explain that the Force was opposed to the Jedi and what they'd become because they become corrupted of what corrupted right. versions of what and they were Yoda, supposed to be. How old was he when he died? Seven hundred and. And you're telling me in all those years he couldn't become corrupted in some way? He also banished that tentacle head lady. Oh my no, god! But becoming corrupted was a different interpretation. I think what Yoda could force... be a villain, and he could be the greatest Sith Lord ever because he was in plain sight, hidden. I'm dun, dun, dun. very skeptical about JL's answer. I don't think that Yoda was a Sith. I think he was an oblivious Jedi. That He's considered the smartest Jedi ever, pretty much. How could he be that oblivious? I don't think he was the smartest Jedi. He let the whole order fall apart. It was, and now you're you're see, saying that that. But just did he do that on purpose? That's did he what do it JL's on purpose? Is. Because as Qui Gon Jinn said, it was foretold. There was. He also let Anakin train, even though he shouldn't have. Correct. Now, and knowing full well what Anakin could become, foretold that he was where, supposed though? to be the one who was going to bring balance to yeah. the Force. So you're saying it was foretold, foretold where and by whom? Because Anakin, why would there not be the legend of the one who's going to bring balance to the Force? Now, where does that legend come from? Where? Sticky, this could have been an entire episode discussion. What I, were you thinking? Allegedly, email? that prophecy. I'm thinking that we need to cut the conversation here and do an exclusive Patreon off between you two. About Yoda. Yes, so let's go pause on. it. All right, so mm-hmm. I'm stopping okay. right now. Yep. This, this I'm serious. Obviously... Which is okay, because I have to take a pee. <laughs> <laughs> and Yoda and I might is need so evil, chaser he would for that stop water. you from this, doing that. This is obviously a very in-depth discussion. I don't know if we were prepared yes. for it. <laughs> Stinky, <laughs> three, three, four, four, six, six, seven, nine, eight, five, six, zero, one, two, three, four, eight, nine. And we were hotmail. not ready for it. Is it really Hotmail? Yeah. Holy shit. Tina L. also emailed saying, I am a diehard NSYNC fan. However, I really enjoyed the Backstreet Boys episodes. More boy bands, please. I would love to do an NSYNC episode. Uh, you it's, you got topics coming up. Yeah, you can I pick your NSYNC own topics. I think NSYNC would be a good topic. Um, I'm not trying to hijack anybody's topics. Do you know what, though? Um, O-Town degrees, would be a better topic. 98 Degrees would be a good one. They are definitely the tertiary boy band. Menudo. They are totally a th- Menudo's a two-parter. Who? Menudo. <laughs> what about Vinny? I know. Manoli? I totally said that wrong the first time. I was just trying to avoid that. But no, Menudo is a two-parter episode if because there's so much history of Menudo. If we do two parts on that, I want a Vinny Manili episode. Who? Who? <laughs> Who? I can't. I don't know. Millie Vinny Manili. Vinny Manili. Who's I don't saying know. I want to sex you up? I want to sex you up. We should do them. Wasn't that new edition? No, it was a one-hit wonder. I can't think yeah, of who it was. it was. I want to sex you up. It's a hit it and quit it. That's what kind of hit it was. Because <laughs> everyone's racist to the phone what to find out. What constitutes a boy man exactly? Like boys. A band. But what makes a boy band a boy band? And say like Linkin Park's all made of boys, but they're not considered a boy band. They weren't pop. Color me bad. Thank you. They have what? to be some kind of pop music where they're singing and using vocals. Color Me Bad saying I want to sexual. Yes, they did. We should do a Color Me Bad episode. Right after we do a, um, who am I thinking of? A right. Criss Cross episode. Yeah. You know, on jump, the topic jump, of Linkin Park not being pop, we should do a they Lincoln were Park totally episode. like pop mainstream no, they weren't. for a while. Who, what, and how, when, they what, had, where? Why, where's this coming let's, from? Let's, let's go back. So are we saying they're pop because they had mainstream hits? Yeah. 
Because if that's the Isn't case, that there are Nicole many acts that we can no. consider pop. Well, yeah, but exactly. If, in the end, it doesn't really matter <laughs> because <laughs> Linkin Park was an alternative <laughs> new metal act. By that account, Metallica would be considered a pop act, but yet they are still considered heavy metal, even though they have Linkin Park is not pop, pop song. In Enter Sandman. Who Does says Lincoln Metallica have an pop. album that's reminiscent of Linkin Park's Minutes to Midnight? Because that's totally elevator music. Minutes to Midnight? Yeah. No way. You're telling me you could play the first track off Minutes to Midnight on an elevator? What was the first track to that? Repeat. You could play any song on an elevator, JL. Yeah, it doesn't have can, to be. But it's just one of those <laughs> things where you think elevator music, there's no way. Uh, <laughs> I don't. What, I don't remember what the first track. There's was, no but. restrictions on elevators, JL. You can play whatever you want in them. There are restrictions. Weight restrictions. <laughs> not musical weight restrictions. No, <laughs> Color Me Bad could play in an elevator. Speaking of musical weight, could. the Dark Knight soundtrack. Oh, mm. Well, we, we can all take a ride in your burn. car and and play <laughs> and listen to it. All right. Well, that's our Dark Knight episode. Yes. It's uh, clocked in at three and a half hours. Yay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's longer than the movie. Longer than the movie. <laughs> Almost. With the credits rolling or no? Yes, everything. Yet, still shorter than Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Is there a bonus? <laughs> still shorter than Lord of the Rings. There's no bonus. Bleed it sure? out. Bleed it out is the first track I, I think out, of on ah, Minutes to Midnight. Oh, there is no way you're playing that on an elevator. No. Yeah, that is the greatest thing to be playing as I'm That's going down an elevator. Yeah, yeah, maybe if I'm on Tower of Terror, you can play that, but not on a normal elevator. But there was something I wanted to add to the Dark Knight topic, though. All right, quickly. I don't know so, what it could possibly be that you didn't already say. I had read. Some- we basically read the script verbatim. So you know how Zack Snyder is pretty much helming the DCEU, right? Mm. Now, one theory that I read today was that he's basically been trying ever since he took man, he did Man of Steel to out Nolan, Christopher Nolan. Okay, so he's making everything darker, and it's there was this quote, it's Chris Nolan. There was this quote from um, I want to say Variety or Entertainment a Weekly or whatever it was that Warner Brothers and DC's thirty seconds. failure in the cinematic cinematic universe is because of their success of The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Which is reminiscent of Bane's quotes to Bruce in The Dark Knight Rises, victory has defeated you. So wait, they wait, had wait, this... wait, wait, Jail, how does Bane say that? Victory has defeated you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they were writing the success of The Dark Knight and Chris <laughs> Nolan's Batman. And then Zack Snyder came in, took the charge of it, right? Did Man of Steel, did very questionable things with Superman. You know, that actually sounds very... De- yeah, it really <laughs> sounded bad. It's 2018. From what I'd read, too, like, you know, Chris, no- uh, Zack Snyder had, you know, Superman snap Zod's neck in Man of Steel. Chris Nolan opposed that. From what I'd read, he was against that whole part of the script and saying, no, you should not do that. That's not what Superman would do. Correct. Zack Snyder, you know, said, no, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm running this now. Mm hmm. And, and what I'm was everybody's biggest complaint? And grittier than even Chris Nolan's Dark Knight. Because apparently people like gritty and dark because Chris Nolan pulled it off. But Chris Nolan pulled it, pulled it off tactfully. Zach but it's Snyder also does it Batman, in your face. Yeah. Where you can pull off grit and darky, where everybody looks at Superman and goes, he's the great big blue Boy Scout. He doesn't do things like that. Why is my Superman so dark? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's what, not that Henry Cavill's put it on a bad performance as Superman. No. I just think the scripts itself, yes, are what everybody's problems with. So I think that's an argument to be made that these new DCEU movies suck 
I mean, barring Wonder Woman, because Zack Snyder's been trying to outdo Christopher Nolan. Even He's trying to out Nolan Nolan. Exactly. Even Wonder Woman. Not I that great. I Wonder Woman. But I don't know what most of that meant, but what I would like to see is JL reading Catcher in the Rye or Huckleberry Finn as Bane <laughs> as an audiobook. I would like to see the two of them argue on whether or not Yoda is a Sith. We're going to do that. That's going to be a bonus episode. Write it down before we forget. But now we're well past our bedtime. Yeah. I'm well Christopher passed. DeVos. I'm Nicole Fasson. I was born in darkness. I'm J.L. <laughs> <Jill Trump. laughs> I'm merely adopted. <laughs> Night. Fairly well. Bye. You are no longer listening to Podcast 42. Some of the stuff you just heard might have been embellished, made up, or just plain incorrect. In other words, don't use this show to write a book report with. You will get a bad grade. Just like all the hosts. But I'm not done yet! JL's Beer Cooler is written and performed by Cremo. Cremo is an award-winning actor and musician. For all things Cremo, including more great music, visit Cremo.com. That's spelled C-R-A-Y-M-O. He is on Twitter at Cremo. Facebook, just search Cremo Music. And also on YouTube under, you guessed it, Cremo.